Gareth's gone, but Hannah's here. I'm talking about storms, of course. Big gusts of wind that provide managers with a ready excuse. When their teams fail, blame it on the gale. The type of weather, not former Wimbledon frontman Marcus, nor Dwight of West Bromwich by way of Newcastle. It would take more than inclement conditions to postpone this weekly fixture, though. We're in a studio, for one thing. The weather's largely irrelevant. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yes, this is the Totally Football League show. Welcome once again to our weekly roundup of all things EFL. It's me, Matt Davis Adams, once again playing the role of not so super sub. Alongside me today, two chaps who are always bright and breezy. No more meteorological metaphors, I promise. First, star of stage and screen. Well, screen. Well, he was on telly for a bit the other night. Hello, Sam Parkin. Good morning. <laughs> How's your hipster niece? Uh, she's doing well, yeah. First uh, football training session session on Saturday morning. And she sported a Fiorentina shirt, a vintage Fiorentina shirt. So with Chiesa on the back? Chiesa on the back, yeah. yeah. Not Batastuta, <laughs> but she did look quite like Batastuta with her flowing locks. Um, but supposedly she really enjoyed it. She's going to be back next week. Hopefully Good. stick her in a Borussia Dortmund away shirt. <laughs> next, he was once a winger. Now he's a radio broadcaster, a tactics blogger, a podcaster par excellence. It's Mr Fingers in Pies, Adrian Clark. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Great jumper, by the way. Enjoyed that jumper under the jacket on Sky Sports. Nice, Cheers, nice look. I was um, surprised. I, th- yeah. I thought we were we were going to go open neck shirt and suit, but it was much more casual than that. Under the bright lights, I mm. thought it was a bold move. And um, by the way, you missed off my stage appearance as Franz the Butler in Sound of Music. Just okay, tell us more. There's not much more to say, but, but it happened. Just the one, and I was yeah, I was a solid six out of ten. All right, well, can't ask more than that in your debut, I suppose, can you? Uh, no, Joe Crilly today. He was last seen wandering around the Wigan area, muttering, muttering something about eight point deficits. Before we get to the EFL action, let's have a quick chat about how our championship representatives got on in the FA Cup quarterfinals. Millwall 2-2 Brighton, but Brighton win 5-4 on penalties. Millwall architects of their own downfall. 2-0 up with two minutes of normal time remaining. Then a horrible error from keeper David Martin for 2-2. Sammy had the chance to redeem himself in the penalty shootout. But, I mean, before we got to that, Shane Ferguson sent off in the last minute of extra time. Neil Harris called him his best penalty taker. They really did shoot themselves in the foot in this game. Yeah, they did. I went into it thinking, surely... Millwall can't do it again given how great their their form has been against Premier League teams but you know 2-0 up the elements were you know just horrendous weren't they the the swirling wind and and rain but yeah Martin I mean coming in for this one just making a horrendous error had a possibility to save I think it was Stevens penalty down to his right which he got fingertips on but just wasn't to be for for Millwall so credit Brighton for, for going there and being able to achieve something that a lot of Premier League clubs have not. And as for the uh, the other quarterfinal agent involved in the EFL club last week, the Bozo hosting this pod said Swansea had no chance they'd lose 4-1. They were brilliant, certainly for 60 minutes of the game before kind of the inevitable happened. This might be a bit of a reactionary hot take, but has VAR largely discredited the FA Cup this season? Yes, it, was, it ruined the weekend, didn't it? I think that we, we must never allow this to happen again. I think that the the powers that be have to come out and explain this because I understand that you have to draw a line in the sand. You can't have VAR at every single game from the first round onwards. I, I get that. But to, to only limit it to Premier League grounds is, is nonsense because most championship grounds are fantastic. They've got the, the facility to do it. I just think that every match that was televised, given the, the cost of getting all the cameras in for TV coverage... That had to be the line in the sand, didn't it? And I, and I and I think I feel incredibly sorry for Swansea because 
if AAR had been in place, I think that they would have been in the semi-final. I really do. Against Brighton. So it's, I thought it was ridiculous and it must never happen again. Even more inexcusable, Sam, when you think that Swansea didn't have it. The Liberty Stadium was a Premier League ground last season. Mm. Molyneux did have it. That was a championship ground last season. Where do you draw the line? Yeah, definitely. And I'd, the warning side was there from the previous round, not at Swansea, but at Millwall. Remember the fast call scenes from the Everton game? So we had a manager looking up at the screen, telling his um, PA man to turn off the screen. So... It was really contentious during the, the, the previous round. It had to be in play for these these games. I, I thought the penalty was probably just about right on Sterling. I don't know, first viewing oh, it looked like... Ball. Did he? Yeah, I yeah. think it was one of those that just deflected. I don't know. I thought that was maybe the right call, but obviously Aguero uh, was clearly offside. But, you know, the, the championship and Swansea, Graham Potter, they, they leave with a lot of credit because of, as we've been saying what on this goal, show... That, the second oh, goal was goal, yeah. all the way from the goalkeeper, wasn't it? And, yeah. that, and that, I think that shows the the promise mm. that Swansea have got watch them go next season by the way I think with this young team with a little bit more financial back and I think Swansea can have a good season yeah big pat on the back to Bursant Salina for um, having gone viral in the week with that rotten penalty at West yeah. Brom for, for <laughs> making the news for the right reasons after that bit of moonlighting it's back to the league stuff you're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill As ever, we'll kick off with the Championship and oh my, it's all very exciting at the top. With Sheffield United beating Leeds at Ellen Road, they're now front runners to go up with Norwich, who win at Rotherham. That win for the Blades ensured that they will at least make the playoffs. Speaking of, Villa, Preston and Sheffield Wednesday all won at the weekend to ensure the race to the finish remains too close to call. Down at the bottom, a stonking 5-2 win for Wigan over Bolton gave the hosts a three-point buffer between themselves and trouble and pushed Bolton closer to the drop. Whilst Ipswich played out their 6-1-1 draw in seven matches matches much to the displeasure of me but it's the Yorkshire first Leeds nil Sheffield United won either of you two been like me and, and guilty and underestimating Sheffield United as genuine yeah, automatic promotion definitely yeah hands up I, I've, I've said it for for a few months that I felt that the Leeds and Norwich were the best two teams I didn't mean that in a disparaging way to the Blades I just felt that they they was a slight cut above, but clearly not. And, and Sheffield United's run has, has been terrific. Obviously, the basis of it has been this wonderful clean sheet record. And Wilder, I mean, he put himself out there, didn't he, Sam, in this game by, by putting Chris Basham into central midfield? I know it's not the first time that's happened, but to do it in a big game like this was a, was a bold tactical call, one that looked like not paying off. Said he nearly took <laughs> yeah. him off after 20 well, minutes, didn't he? battered them, didn't they? I, think, I don't think Leeds should beat themselves up too much about their own performance. It was, but it was great resilience from Sheffield United and, and they, they took that one chance. Great goal, wasn't it? Classic sort of counter from them and... Uh, yeah, no, we have to take them very seriously now. Yeah, he probably got something from that um, structure that he set up that he wasn't anticipating. He probably thought they were going to be defensively sound in the first half, but what he got was Basham joining in with the two strikers, got in in the first half and obviously scored the goal. I think he slips for the oh, goal. Slipped, it's the weirdest finish ever. It, the commentator, I think, said he steered it in the far post, which he did, but I think it helped that his kind of uh, standing foot collided almost at the same Didn't time. Didn't sound to me that he strike. tackled it into the corner? Yeah, Billy Sharp did. The, that, was, that was probably the best description. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was a strange goal, but I think Chris Wilder, they were a little bit high in the first half, and, and Leeds United got in behind them on a number of occasions and were able to 
get chances but not work the goalkeeper which I think is a, was the criticism for Leeds on the day in the second half I think Sheffield United were more compact obviously just tweaked one or two things at half time uh, and saw it out quite comfortably a testing day for Leeds given Janssen's going to be out now I think for three weeks and um, I've noticed Kemar Roof doing a bit of telly at the weekend they need him back I think Bamford's done well but I think the mobility that Roof gives them in this system will probably be the preferred option moving forward the stats on Sheffield United unbeaten in 10 1-7 including each of the last three 10 and a half hours of football without conceding a goal but as you say Sam Leeds slightly worrying times now lost at home to Norwich and Sheffield United three of their next four away to Birmingham and Preston then home to Sheffield Wednesday I mean yikes uh, have you done this because I've done sophisticated tallying them up of the points before oh, we came oh, into the studio? Done yeah, I've done a tally, uh, yeah. This is not with the help of a, of a website that preloads it no, for this you. Is this me, is me, mate. There's no XG, yeah, there's nothing that. here. You yeah. used a highlighter as well, haven't you? Sheffield United are going up. Sheffield United are going up in second, according to my maths. Explain. Well, that's it. I've You've just, got to show uh, you're working. No, nah, no, I just looked at the results. I think Sheffield United are going to get um, 17 more points and I think Leeds are going to get 15 more points. There you go. Yeah, well, yeah. the pressure is on, isn't it? And uh, yeah, you wonder. I, I wouldn't be too down on Leeds. Obviously, Liam Cooper had a bit of a bad day. Losing Janssen's a, a blow. But but with Roof coming back and Bamford, a bit of competition there. I, I, do, I agree completely with Sam. I think Roof sets the tone. He's just able to press and, and move around that bit sharper at the top end of the pitch. So he might actually be the the lift that they need for for that running. I did think Tyler Roberts played pretty well. I was impressed with him and and the positions he got into were great. It was just he just forgot his shooting boots. The big talking point, obviously, for people like me at this game was that we finished with an outfield player in goal. It, it, one or both of you two must have an anecdote about this from your playing days. You fancied yourself a bit as a keeper, didn't you, Sam? No. Never. <laughs> You're tall enough for it. Yeah, I no, I can only dive one way. I can only dive one way. I can only dive to yeah. the right. I can only dive to my left. So between us, we'd make a good <laughs> I'm worldy to my right. I'm unbelievable. But to my left, it's just you just got to like hope you get your leg on it or something. <laughs> Elsewhere in Yorkshire, Rotherham 1, Norwich 2. Norwich, six wins on the spin. Five points clear of third place. Ben Godfrey gets the winner here. He spent last season on loan at Shrewsbury. Another credit in the bank for Daniel Farker for bringing him back and making him a key player. Norwich aren't going to blow this from here, are they? I don't think so, no. No, I'm a big champion of Norwich's prospects. Um, it was great again from them. Love a little clip round the corner from Pookie for one goal. Um, and the, the set piece was a good finish from Godfrey. Escaped Ajayi, who'd scored for Rotherham. What I thought stood out in this game was a little bit of their game management. They were very savvy. And I, I know that they irked the locals by sort of slowing the game down. I think the, the home fans were, were getting wound up by them breaking up play, etc. once they got themselves in front. And this was a classic from Daniel Farker, who afterwards, I think he knows his interview, I know that he speaks fast anyway, but it felt like he was speaking in times two speed. He's just, he's struggling to contain his excitement, I don't think, at the moment, uh, Daniel Farker. But what he did, he saved all his subs for injury time. So he, put, he, put, he basically spent the whole of injury time bringing on one sub after another, which I just thought was, was quite smart. It's really. a great and way to troll the whole It's, it's a massive well, way to it? troll the fans and to just kill the momentum that Rotherham might have had towards the end. So, yeah, this, this Norwich team are not just good in terms of whether they play. They're, they're actually pretty smart and, and a little bit cynical, dare I say, at times. Sam Rotherham, we've given them a lot of praise for their team spirit and for the fact that we like the manager, but... If we if we get realistic, six of their last eight against teams going for the playoffs, can you actually make a case for them to stay up? Well, it's going to be difficult, but I thought they they left Saturday 
Saturday's game with a lot of credit. Paul Warren in tears in the in the dressing room. He spoke about he's a lifelong Norwich fan, so he said he he kind of spoke to the the players before they went out there, wanted to do it for for him and his his loved ones and and leave everything out on the pitch. No, I don't think you can write them off because they they're in a, more or less every game, and they were patched up at the weekend as well. Volks was missing his his second game due to his suspension. Robertson's probably been their best defender as well. He was was out. Matic was out at left back as well. So they had a few players that had to fill in I think they 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 left with a lot of credit after a good performance pushing the the league leaders all the way to the death so no I think they've got a great opportunity still well we'll see if they can do it to the playoffs Aston Villa three Middlesbrough nil what's Dean Smith got so right all of a sudden is it just that they've turned draws into wins is it that they're spreading the goals around Abraham's dried up a bit one in seven but McGinn and others are taking over everything's going right for them I think there's a, a part in everything you said there. I think defensively, with something we were speaking about months ago, Mings and uh, House, is it you, how you pronounce it, Courtney House? One goal they've conceded in the last four games since they've been a pairing. Grealish has been an enormous influence in the last few matches. Um, and McGinn as well. I think when those two are in the side and they were missing, I think, prior to this little run, one or the other, if Grealish doesn't get you, John McGinn will. He's three and two now. Fantastic finish again at the weekend and they've got a, a great opportunity uh, Middlesbrough just sat in you know I think it was almost a, a back six at times with Obi Mikel as well just shielding the, the, the back five as it was and didn't show any real intent and it could have been worse by all accounts at half time it could have been worse I think that was the one criticism from Dean Smith that they didn't you know add to the three goals but Adrian's been talking them up I didn't see it Derby, Birmingham, Forest, now Middlesbrough. That's the last four games. That's four games you could have envisaged them losing a couple of. Yeah, no, I've just been really impressed by by Villa. I think their midfield is the key here. I, I completely agree about the young centre halves, Mings and Hawes. You saw them live last week. Yeah, I saw them at City Ground, and they. Look, sorry to say it, Matt, but they <laughs> they wiped the floor with Forest. I'm sure you saw the game. They controlled the engine room and. I looked at the team before the game and I thought, well, this is pretty bold. You've got Hurahan, McGinn and Grealish. And I know that Hurahan can be that defensive guy, but I always think he's best actually as a box-to-box. So I thought, this is a bit dodgy, but they absolutely bossed it. They're just three good footballers. And what I love about Smith is that he saw that and thought, that was good, but... I'm going to bring in Whelan for this one. I'm just going to switch it around. So he's got four four top players for, for three positions at the moment and whichever combo he selects it seems to seems to be clicking and and the wide guys have, have, have got power and pace haven't they El Ghazi and Green so no Villa on that roll Borough just was like the playoffs last year they didn't have the belief to go to one of the big boys and attack it they just just went there and 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 tried to keep the score down and for that reason Middlesbrough I'm sorry but they're not good enough for the Premier League and I don't think they will be going up no matter what happens Tony Pulis says there's a flatness around the club since the defeat against Preston is El Capo, as I call him, the man to turn flat into bouncy? Like, you know, all right, there's a flatness around the club. We're doing a double session on defending today. <laughs> well, no, Pulis' track record has to be respected. So let, let's not hammer him. But but I just, I just don't see them being brave enough, bold enough. This is a division where you need to go out and win games. I don't think draws are... Are good enough, really, in this in this particular race for promotion. So, yeah, I just see them being a bit too cautious, and uh, and for that reason, I think they'll probably miss out on the playoffs now. Are West Brom making us eat our words a little bit, Sam? One nil win for them at Brentford at the weekend. That's two in two for Jimmy Shanner's caretaker. We we were expecting Jakanovic to be in position or somebody to be in position by this time, but but they seem to be rolling along all right with the caretaker. 
Not my words, young man, not my words. Uh, they are, indeed. I thought it could have gone either way at the weekend. Sam Johnson, I don't think, has been at the level that he was last season for them in goal, but he had a, a really big 90 minutes and made a, a number of good saves, uh, in particular from Ben Rama, who's obviously been, you know, flavour of the month for, for Brentford. And the young lad getting an opportunity, Edwards, and obviously the manager knows him well, I think, since he was eight, nine years old, in from the start, and a, a brilliant individual goal. So, no, they, they've seemed to have um, turned a little bit of a corner, but away from home has not been the problem. Let's see how they get on if they have got a caretaker in charge in the next couple of home games. As for Brentford, Thomas Frank said the wind didn't help. All right, Jürgen. Um, <laughs> Producer Abby got some odds from William Hill on the next West Bromwich Albion manager. It's not as clear-cut as we thought this time last week. No, so the odds that they've got up are for the manager on the first day of the 2019-2020 season. And as expected, it's Slavisa Jukanovic who is favourite, but he's joint favourite with Alex Neal. Uh, they are both 2-1 to one to be in charge come the start of next season. Jimmy Shan is the third favourite at 6-1. to Honourable mention to David Moyes at 12-1. to one. <laughs> Clinging on, good old Moisey. Uh, you mentioned Alex Neal, Abby. Preston 1, Birmingham 0. First thing that pops into my head watching these highlights and the subsequent post-match interviews, I think the answer to this question is no. Is there a scarier manager in the EFL than Alex Neal? He looks like he'd just you rip should, you apart. You should it? have tried playing against him. <laughs> Bloody hell. Really? No, yeah. he's a tough little midfielder. Nice footballer, though. He was like the little um, the little pivot for Hamilton for a number of years. Good little player. They're unbelievable. I can't. I, I didn't know that they were unbeaten since um, New Year's Day. 12 unbeaten. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. I spoke last week about the necessity for them to start taking maximum points at Deepdale, and they did that in a in a really ugly game bowl accounts. So I think Birmingham actually had the better chances. And I wanted to talk about uh, Declan Rudd because he made that horrific mistake at St Andrews, uh, December the 1st, when he left Kifton Belds pass, essentially, just uh, run through his legs. Yeah, he was brilliant at the weekend, made a couple of big saves and he's he's playing you know like a, a goalkeeper with real confidence again at the moment so it's a great turnaround for him I think Preston probably not at their best because Gallagher was out and um, your man Brown who, who's been Adrian's favourite this season mine's still Herbie Kane um, so yeah missing two big players got over the line probably a, a point may have been the fair result there that was you who got the Herbie Kane pre-match analysis into the Doncaster game, wasn't it? I saw Indeed that. Indeed it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he wasn't very good, poor Herbie. We'll come on to that. Alex Neal, this is the kind of thing that makes me think he, he's quite a scary man. We only go under the radar because nobody cares about Preston. problem with people saying you're going under the radar is when they're saying that, inevitably, you're getting above the radar. So <laughs> the pressure changes a little bit, but they weren't expected to be challenging. No, so. they weren't. Uh, no. So, so whatever happens, I think, it would be a bit of a bonus, but they've put themselves in the in the running, haven't they? I mean, f- form-wise, they're they're miles better than your Bristol Cities and your and your Derby's and your Boroughs. So, so we'll, we'll watch this space. Yeah, I think the centre halves have been great, haven't they? The, the two young lads at the back, but they've got a tough run. So they've got Reading away next, which I would imagine they might win. But then they've got the the top three. They've got Sheffield United, Leeds, and West Brom. So, so Preston either for themselves or for the division as a whole will have a massive impact over the coming weeks. And they're in the right place to have a positive one. Uh, we're writing Birmingham off now. Seven points off the playoffs. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry, Birmingham. Uh, let's go to Sheffield Wednesday for Blackburn two. Steve Bruce said. We took our chances at the right time. Our first real attack was scored and that calmed everybody down a bit. Just at the right times, we've scored again. Should have been more comfortable than it turned out to be. Are you going to revise your opinion of him, Sam? You, you said he was a busted flush. 
Yeah, well, I said that, and then I wrote. Hasn't an lost art- the game since he took over. Yeah, then I wrote an article for the um, football league paper about three weeks later, saying like how well he'd done in his opening <laughs> spell. So I just like softened it. No, More faces in the town hall club. No, you're right. I've embarrassed myself here, haven't I? Um, <laughs> yeah, he's done well, hasn't he? Ten games unbeaten. I thought the the transfer activity was was very good. I offers obviously got a goal and assist at the weekend. He's been very good. Aaron's as well from Newcastle. The other chap's name from Newcastle, name escapes me, but he wasn't available at the weekend. But three players who have had a, a big impact. 4-4-2, high energy, and in a game when the conditions again were very poor, the one player with that little bit of panache, Barry Bannon, who, yes, can keep the ball, but now they've got that real option to go long into Fletcher or even Nuhu who came on and got himself a goal. So looking very strong in all departments. It's the fixtures again. I think Preston have got difficult ones. Sheffield Wednesday, likewise. I think they play, I think it's five of the last eight is against top 10 sides. So but you kind of want that it. though, don't you? Because you can take points off them. No, you don't want uh, they're, they're better teams, aren't they? It's, you want to play QPR and Hull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Twice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, well done, Brucey. Yeah. It's, I, I think they might just miss out. That's my, my hunch. Just based on the maybe the depth of the... The quality in the squad. I mean, I don't know if I'm being too harsh. I know that they've got the, the two big guys in Fletcher and Nuhi. Fletcher's injured now. Hutchison, I think, is out as well. Now he picked up an injury. So you wonder if 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 they begin to add up those injuries, they might they might struggle. But but it's been brilliant. Villa, Forest, Leeds, Norwich, Bristol City, and Preston coming up for Sheffield Wednesday. So we'll find out one way or the other. In terms of Blackburn. Try and make some sense of this for me, Sam. This was Tony Mowbray's post-match quote. It's very easy for people to say it's been terrible, but I know for a fact it hasn't been terrible. The results have been terrible, of course, but the team hasn't. There's been practically no drop-off, I would suggest. Uh, well, there has been, hasn't there? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably um, them and QPR have been, uh, you know, the, the the toughest last couple of months. Um, seven defeats in nine now uh, for, for Blackburn, and we saw Brentford go to Sheffield Wednesday a few weeks ago uh, and struggle with the intensity that Steve Bruce's side is playing at. And I think Blackburn do play nice football, and they can, you know, certainly get their foot on the ball and probably. Uh, had as much, if not more, possession than uh, than Wednesday. But yeah, you have to have that clinical edge as well, and that was lacking for them at the weekend. Although they did get a couple of goals, I suppose defensively. Um, question marks about them at the weekend. Oddswise, then, Abby, what's going on with the playoff chases? Who are the favourites now to finish in the top six? I quite like it if Steve Bruce came back and did the uh, the odds. That was beautiful. Um, favourites are still Middlesbrough. They are two to five. Then it's Villa eleven to ten and Derby five to two. Sheffield Wednesday. We've just been talking about them. Are sixteen to one on. And of course, we can't let this go, Matt, without talking about Forest ten to one. Keep your money in your pocket. I would suggest there. Um, Villa still odds against Adrian eleven to ten. I'm seeing. Yeah, I, well, I would uh, be sorely tempted by that. I have to say, I, I just, yeah, I just got a feeling that they'll stick around now because they've they've found the themselves at the back without the ball because of all the the quality and attack. Abraham, like you say, is, is is not in great form. But actually, you say he's not in great form. I thought he was really good against Forest. What he did. He produced a, a selfless performance, and and look, if if he does that every week, and the others around him chip in with the goals, then then Villa are going to be just fine. So yeah, there's an air of confidence about them. I'd now be very surprised if Villa blew it. 
By the way, a Steel City Derby playoff final, you can get 150 to 1 on that. I was really wanting that to happen and I've just remembered the game that they played the other week and now I really don't want that to happen. <laughs> uh, here's an easy riddle, dear listener. What comes after champ but before two? Why, it's our old friend League One, of course. That's where we're headed next and you won't believe what happened at Oxford. Make this an every Saturday super with the Super Saturday Reloaded coupon from William Hill. Available in all William Hill branches across the UK. With more prizes on offer than ever before, your new Super Saturday competitions offer you the chance to win a share of £1 million and some additional extra goodies specific to your region. All you have to do is select the number of goals, corners and cards across three selected football matches. Super Saturday football and racing competitions are free to enter when you bet £10 at your local William Hill. T's and C's apply. You can find out more at williamhill.com. And remember, when the fun stops, stop. Whilst the Championship has playoff drama aplenty, it's all about the battle to beat the drop in League One. Just two points separate 13th to 21st. That's Bristol Rovers down to Walsall. But we can only begin with the farcical ending at the Kassam, involving two teams desperately hoping to make their way out of the relegation fight. Oxford 1, Bradford 0. Who wants to have a go at explaining what happened here? Well, it was a disgrace, first and foremost. I think Andy Davis is a referee that's, that's refed mainly in the Championship this Seventh season. Seventh season in the EFL. Yeah. Get the feeling he might get the weekend off well, this weekend. I, I, my take on this is actually pretty simple. I was thinking about it because it was it, he completely lost the plot, didn't he? And, and, and lost control of, of his emotions, of his decision-making. To go to one linesman and then to get to make a decision, and then to go to other linesmen to change my mind. I have never seen that happen. I think he needs to to have more than a week off. I think I think a month off. I, was, I, I think if if the people who are in charge of the referees in this country want want to raise standards uh, and provide competition, when refs have bad days, and I know that they will, we'll all make mistakes. Of course we will. But but I think when the, the errors are as serious as this, and let's get this right, this is about battle of survival between Oxford and Bradford. Those points matter massively. When you make an error as big as that. I do think that some kind of suspension should come in, and and I and I've got no qualm saying that. I know it sounds draconian, but but there has to be almost a, a punishment mechanism in place for for referees that that lose it, and he lost it. Just in case you haven't seen it, Bradford want a stoppage time penalty slash corner, but the ball is out for a goal kick so the referee rules Oxford take this couldn't really tell on the highlights but it looked as though the ball hadn't left the penalty area before the Oxford player got hold of it hits it up the field Jamie Mackey scores ref has a chat with his assistant indicates that he's ruling the goal out and that the goal kick has to be taken again then he speaks to his other assistant and gives the goal Gary Bowyer there are so many things that are wrong in allowing the goal to stand I mean he did well, actually, to react in a, in yeah. a reasonably measured way to what was a pretty outrageous piece of officiating. I mean, I don't work for the FA and I, I'm not a referee, but obviously the commotion is wrong, which is caused by the referee's inability to make a quick decision. I mean, having looked back at all the incidents during that 30 seconds a minute, you know, I can't really make my mind up. I think the ball... On the camera, the ball looks like it might have gone out of the area. There seems to be some suggestion that if the players in the 18-yard box aren't interfering with play, it doesn't matter. The goalkeeper can roll it out and they can play. And the actual tackle, I think it's a really bad miss from the Bradford player. Yeah, there's a there's contact afterwards, which 
you can argue might be a penalty but if you look at the reaction of the Bradford players it's almost hands on heads we've just missed a sitter so I don't think the referee might have got it right in terms of Jamie Mackey's goal being allowed but the commotion six minutes it took (laughs) six minutes and for both managers and benches to get involved you can't have that no and, and and the fact that he, he went to the linesman in the wrong order as well. So he went to the, the correct linesman, the first one, the one that was closest to the area where the player might have touched it. it. What does the bloke what 50 the, yards down what, the pitch What's he got to offer and why, why, why is he chipping in? It was the most calamitous piece of refereeing I think I've ever seen. And, and I guess we ought to give the assistant who was nearest the incident, he needs to take some stick as well because he must have said, I don't know. Well, what, if you don't why, know, why aren't you watching? Yeah, if you don't know. I mean, we're, we're just, if you don't know, I guess you, you give the goal. And that's it. Doncaster nil, Barnsley nil. Samuel, razor-sharp punditry was the highlight of the night for many. <laughs> uh, I must confess, I switched over to Wayne's World once you'd done your pre-match bit and, and was pleased that I did when I saw the score. Give us a brief scouting report. You said decent first 20 minutes. Yeah, Doncaster good for 20 minutes. I like their, their attacking players and... I think it became about whether Barnsley can maintain their unbelievable defensive record. It's the best in the EFL now. Uh, after Middlesbrough shipped those three at Villa, they've conceded 28. The centre-half, Pinnock, oof, unbelievable. Just incredible. He looks a bit like he's going to fall over at times, but then he seems to just extend his leg and get a sliding challenge and he wins every header in the box. And the keeper had a, a great night as well. Better in the second half, Barnsley uh, used the ball a little bit better, a bit more direct, I felt, but... Um, the, the the draw was the the right result, and I thought I thought it was a good point for for Barnsley, given that I like Doncaster's Marquis and Wilkes and Kane. So I think both teams would have been relatively satisfied. Uh, I have a new hero in the shape of Barnsley's Kenny Dougal, who is out for the season yeah. after trying to play on with a broken leg. He posted this on Instagram. Full trust in the lads to get us up to the champ! Exclamation mark. Don't know why I've tried to play on with a broken leg, but nobody nobody can say I didn't try. Fair enough. Um, John Marquis looks a bit like Gareth Bale. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I've been thinking that all season. I wasn't brave enough to say it on the telly, but yeah, he does very much so, doesn't he? Um, he wasn't his usual self, really. Um, on Friday, he had the best chance of the game in the in the first half, the double save from from Davis. But um, yeah, he's a he's a top player. Him. Collins, Will Grigg, you know, the three of them, they're proven in uh, League One level. I'm sure he'll get an opportunity in the Championship again. Just looking at the League One playoff race, Adrian, mm. and, and teams dropping points or losing this week. Peterborough, Doncaster obviously didn't get a win. Fleetwood on 52 points. Have they got a, an outside shot at a late run, maybe? Maybe, yeah. I mean, they're, they're sort of... No, we, we've barely spoken about them in recent times, have we, Fleetwood? It's amazing, especially given the high-profile nature of their gaffer. Uh, but but he's been quietly getting on with it. They, they seem to be a real force at home and then away from home. That's where that's where it struggles. I, regular listeners will realise that, that I'm always looking at how teams react to going to one 0 down, and they have a, a truly horrendous record when they trail, which which sort of would worry me. But but yeah, in a season, I, to be honest, I think that Fleetwood are, are among the best of a of a whole bunch of teams that are. That are mid-table. The the teams, the big clubs at the top end of this division, in my opinion, are the strongest. And I'll be surprised if it's not the top five as it is, plus either the Doncaster, Coventry or Peterborough. I think Doncaster or Coventry as it stands. Uh, You mentioned teams coming from behind there. Sunderland did that to beat Walsall 2-1 at the Stadium of Light. They're two points off second place, Barnsley with a game in hand. Will Grigg with the winner, Sam, we spoke about this at the time that he joined. He could easily be the difference between playoffs and automatic for them. 
Definitely, and it's in their hands now for the first time in in, in, a, in a long while. From the start, they played with uh, power uh, slightly higher up in the midfield and and the two holders, Ledbitter and Catamol. So there is the option there to go with the two. But um, I would imagine that Jack Ross would persist with the, the system that he got in the success of the weekend. Yeah, if you've got max power in your team, you're always going to have plenty of energy. Yep. More than 34,500 inside the Stadium of Light. Kudos to those Sunderland supporters. They've stuck by their team. It makes you think of Man City back in the day when they were down there. Uh, Leeds, Leicester, Wolves, Forest, Sheffield United all did. One of the Sunderland pre-match flag-waving kids, you know, as the teams come out and uh, the, the players walk through these kids waving big flags, one of them got a real dousing from the sprinkler uh, and he just stood still. Sunderland tweeted... A special mention needs to go to one of our flag bearers on Saturday. While the sprinkler might have caught him, he stuck to his post, braved the conditions and ensured his flag was waved. I've watched the video. He didn't carry on waving the flag. He just stood there getting drenched. So he should have either carried on waving the flag and got wet or he should have moved to somewhere where it was dry. It was poor from him. I think it's just an excuse to go viral. I wouldn't have him back for the next home game. Portsmouth 2, Scunthorpe nil. Can one of you experts please explain <laughs> to me? Brutal, by the way. <laughs> well, you know, he'd been told what to do before he went out there and, and he hasn't done it. So anyway, <laughs> Portsmouth 2, Scunthorpe 0. Adrian, can you explain Pompey's current form? Because I haven't got a clue what's going on. Well, uh, the Bogle's made a big difference, hasn't he? I, th- I think it's been a wonderful acquisition uh, from Cardiff. And yeah, he it was a good shot again from him that, that sort of sparked it. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I would say that he is, he is a, a big part of their upturn definitely had a transformational effect really I've, i really like the center back uh, matt clark i think he's had a, a great season i think pinnock is, is definitely a candidate for for team of the season you've probably got a couple of the luton guys that were that are candidates as well but but matt clark would be would be in the shake-up he'll get some votes as well just a, a quick word for ronan curtis i mean i hope his fingers are right i mean did you hear what happened there he shut his uh, a door closed in the breeze and 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 badly severed his finger and he's had to have it stitched up and he's touch and go for the for the checker trade trophy final so we hope he's all right you know in his absence Jamal Lowe stepped up brilliant goal one of the goals of the weekend so no Pompey Pompey are back but I think it's all about the playoffs for them now finding momentum for for that we say it's all about the playoffs. They've got the Checker Trade Trophy final to come. A couple of tweets on this. At Pompey Dunk, will Pompey break their own attendance record for the new Wembley held from the 2008 Cup final? And will they smash Forest home and away in the Championship next season? At Pompey Dunk is my next door neighbour. He does a great job of looking after my dog Brian on occasion, but that is rude, so we're not going to answer it. Andy Hellier, round of applause for Pompey and Sunderland for selling out Wembley for the Checker Trade Trophy final. Much below competition, but it should be a great day. It's a big win for the EFL this, Sam, isn't yeah. it? that it's those two and not Chelsea under-21s v Swansea under-21s. Yeah, no, it'd be a brilliant atmosphere. And just as Adrian was um, talking about um, Portsmouth at the weekend, I think that um, semi-final win at at Bury has maybe just seen them turn the corner, getting a 3-0 against a a side who we've all really enjoyed watching in Bury. been fantastic. So that was a a big win for them. They're in decent shape again. Pittman was playing uh, off the central striker and he's not really known what to do with Pittman this season because he's a a goal-getter but maybe doesn't have that mobility and athleticism that you need at the age years and the athleticism you need in in league one so yeah that's a that's a game to really look forward to and just see what impact it has on both the sides in the running because it can have a it can have a positive effect if you win like we saw uh, last year or it can have a negative effect like we saw with Shrewsbury it might be the first of two Wembley meetings of course between (laughs) these two clubs what price that I wonder 
don't know. Joe's not here. <laughs> at the foot of League One, Shrewsbury to Wickham one at the bottom. Massive win this. Shrewsbury equalising on 87 through Omar Beckles and then winning it 90 plus three. Ollie Norburn's pen. There are points above the dotted line after a first win in four. But arguably an even bigger win at Roots Hall for Wimbledon. Dreadful mix-up between Michael Turner and Mark Oxley to allow former South End Loney Joe Piggott to get the winner for the Dons here. Sam Wimbledon were doomed. They're three points from safety all of a sudden. Wally Downs, the hero we all need, if not in a social media sense. Yeah, I did not envisage this happening. Um, that said, the Charlton game that I was at a few weeks ago when we got sidetracked because of my Love Actually lookalike, which wasn't anyone from Love Actually, um, they actually played really well in that game. But I actually. thought it, <laughs> I thought it was going to be a defining moment because of the deflation. I didn't know if they were going to be able to get off from the the canvas. But it's been a set system, set personnel that he that he's had to pick from the last few games. He's been playing a three-five-two, Wally, and um, incredible result again. The two strikers seem to have developed a really nice partnership in Pigger and. I'm going to go for Folivy, Folivy, the the Watford loney. The big who, man. No, he's a little man. The little um, man. The little man, yeah. <laughs> who I've really enjoyed. He was great in that Charlton game, actually. He's um, very quick, very sharp, uh, but invariably picks the right option on the ball as well. So those two, uh, I felt if they could keep it tight at one end, they, they had some goals in them. And Pigger not celebrating because he had a loan spell at Southend. I'm not entirely oh, sure. I'm not entirely sure how successful it was. He scored the goal that did got Southend promoted oh, into League oh, One. Yeah, right. I was there. I commentated on it at Wembley. He's he is a a legend of Roots Hall, really, Joe Piggott, because of that moment. It was it was unreal in the it was 2015. Why didn't they sign final. him then? I'm sure that they would have liked to have kept him. I don't. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but he's ended up there. So no, he he had a reason not to celebrate. He he'll be forever loved on the Essex Riviera. Let me tell you. So um, so will Chris Powell. Is he under a bit of pressure? Massive, massive. Um, I, I've heard that that Ron Martin, the the chairman, did summon. Chris Powell and his staff um, for a chat on Sunday morning and they've, they've sort of knocked it around and, and, and the upshot is that definitely willing to back him. He's a really patient chairman, is, is Ron Martin, so so I think he will give him chance. He's just urging the fans to get behind the manager and the team. The, the, there are extenuating circumstances. They, they, honestly, the, the injuries that they've lost, that they've had to key players have just been relentless all through this season, particularly in the striker department. So, so I feel sorry for for Powell to some degree, but they're they're in they're in the mire and and they've got they've desperately got to got to find a way to to wriggle out of it. I've looked at the running analysis. There is there are people that do this for you. They crunch the numbers. Sam and yeah they, <laughs> look, I, yeah I'll, I'll give you the details afterwards, Sam. But according to to the numbers, they have the the second easiest running behind Gillingham of of all the teams in the in the bottom half because they're all in it. So there there is hope for Southend, but. Uh, yeah, worrying times. Worrying in terms of the odds as well, Abby. What are William Hill saying about about the teams destined to go down, according to the bookmakers? Well, as as is well publicised, there's just far too many teams to go through. I believe at one point Wimbledon were one to a hundred to go down. Yeah. They're now eight to fifteen, <laughs> so those have come in a fair bit. Uh, Southend, we've just been talking about them. They are nine to four on, so they are fifth favourites to go down. But the favourites now are Bradford, one to six. Right, so that's League One done. Off to League Two next. (music) 
So the big story in League Two involves one of the class of 92. Yeah, we're going to start with Paul Scholes' departure from Oldham. Joining us now is friend of the show and a man who's been following this story closely, Bill Rice of BBC Manchester. Bill, what was your immediate reaction to the news? Had there been a sense that maybe this was coming, even though he'd only been there, what, a month? Well, alarm bells started ringing last week when we were told that Paul Scholes wasn't going to turn up for his weekly press conference. He was ill, or at least that's what we were told on Thursday. And so Mick Priest, his assistant, was going to do the media duties instead. That sparked a little bit of interest for us because he certainly hasn't been as animated on the touchline in recent weeks as he was in his first couple of matches in charge. And, And after just one win in seven games, you thought... Maybe Paul Scholes just isn't taking to this management lark and isn't enjoying it as much as he, as you thought he would. That said, I don't think anyone was too surprised to see him go for the reasons that he gave. Yeah, so we heard this on um, on our sister show, the Totally Football Show, yesterday from from Ian Irving, who who works up on your patch in the northwest. It, there might be something to this that that the chairman have been trying to influence, not just the team selection, but but the tactics too. Then. My understanding is when Pete Wilde was charged for that caretaker spell, he was actually submitting the team a couple of days in advance for the chairman to yay or nay the actual selection. So I think he takes a very active interest in the 11 named on a Saturday. But Paul Scholes was clear right from the off in his very first press conference. He was asked this question, uh, who picks the team? And he said he can be interested as the owner. Of course he can, but I have to make the decision. And if there was any sort of suggestion that Paul Scholes couldn't make those decisions, then I think that would play a big part in why he would say, no, not for me. Yeah, it was a point of principle, I guess, from from Paul Scholes in the end that that Lemsigan will have gone back on his promise. But but had the team been winning, I'm not quite convinced that Paul Scholes would have walked away. Is Is there an element here that he he's backed out of a challenge that was more difficult than it looked? I think you make a really good point because although Paul Scholes was never going to stand for any interference in his team selection, and let's face it, he doesn't need football management, so he can have a go and walk away and he doesn't have to worry financially about how he sort of pays for his next meal. So he never needed football management as much as some people do. But it does seem like a little bit of an easy out, doesn't it? Why would Paul Scholes resign from his post by text message Rather than speak to the chairman and say, hey, this isn't on, you know, let me do my job. But there was certainly that feeling after winning his opening game, didn't win any of the the following six in charge, conceding late goals, which is exactly the opposite of what you'd expect from Paul Scholes from his playing days when he was sort of in a team that always scored late goals. And he looked a frustrated figure. Maybe he did start to think, you know, things at Oldham are, are tougher than I thought. I don't know if I'm going to be able to turn this round. And certainly it's an easy out to blame it all on the chairman. Uh, that's Bill Rice from BBC Manchester. Sam, you ever been dumped by text? Uh, no, I don't think so. Don't hey, WhatsApp, WhatsApp, wasn't it? <laughs> I've had a few people ignore my texts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Paul Scholes, is it one of those, it sort of offers hope to you two, doesn't it? Great players don't make great managers. <laughs> when are you doing your badges? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I took Swindon once away to Arsenal and we lost 7-0. That's been the end of my managerial career. I think, I don't know, you got to, I know Paul Scholes is an Oldham fan and all that and he grew up in the area, but sometimes you've got to pick your fights, haven't you? And surely he knew what he was getting into. I think if you go into any club at any level, you expect a degree of professionalism. That's clearly been completely lacking at Oldham and that's maybe just something that he cannot 
abide by considering the career he had at the club he had. Yes, it's not going to be those conditions, but you expect a coach for the away games. You expect electricity. You expect the balls to be pumped up, etc., etc. So, yes, it's not been particularly great, and he's probably best off out of there. Is my my honest take on it. Give it to was it Pete Wilde that was in charge before? Mm. Give it to him until the summer because he knows how the place is run, and then in the summer. That's a massive appointment. All the supporters will be hoping that the owner gets out of there. Finally on this, Adrian, it's a relief for the EFL, I reckon, because it would have given them an almighty headache if Salford had gone up in the playoffs or whatever this season and they find themselves in the same division as Oldham next year. Yeah, I made my feelings uh, pretty clear on that. I didn't didn't think it was right. To get, uh, on reflection, it's a good job he did hang on to those shares. And you do wonder, don't you? Obviously, Salford City have got a very good manager in place at the moment, but should they ever want to make a change? That might be the way back in for Paul Scholes, mightn't it, at, at Salford City if they were to get into the EFL. The problem is, because he only won one of his games, you don't imagine there'll be a, a long list of clubs queuing up to, to sign Paul Scholes up as a manager now. So, so there's a big risk for him to walk away from that job, but but he does have a, a strong interest and good connections, doesn't he, in a, in a club that might be playing against Oldham next year. Elsewhere in League Two, the big game was at I'm going to call it Field Mill. I know it's the one call stadium these days, but it was Field Mill when I used to go there back in the early 90s. Mansfield Town won, Lincoln City won, Lincoln six clear at the top after drawing here and Berry's game at the weekend being postponed. Mansfield third on goal difference above MK. Adrian Harshall, fair to say that Conrad Logan cost Mansfield the win here. He def- well, yeah, he did. Uh, he made some saves, but but yeah, it was a poor decision to come off his line. Definite penalty, the foul on, on Harry Anderson. Didn't look the, the most nimble of goalkeepers. I know that he's a former teammate of Sam's, I think, Comrade Logan. Is, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, not very nimble. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not very nimble. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was. I think it was pretty a fair result. And uh, yeah, it was a good set piece, wasn't it, from, from Mansfield early on, Christian Pierce. It was one of those classic ones where where you crowd the keeper around the six, well, around the goal line. Um, yeah, so difficult to defend if you get the delivery right and they, and they did but Lincoln just got better and better as that game went on and I think they showed their their class particularly as a defensive unit Link, Lincoln showed showed they're they're a tough nut to crack and and for them it's a really good result that is uh, Lincoln the fans big traveling support there I think they were really pleased with the with the result even though they didn't win yeah it was good to see the stadium full home and away essentially for for a game that was on TV Sam you launched a staunch defence of John Akinde's penalty <laughs> technique did. when he missed one at Knotts. He did that hazard, wait for the keeper to go and then just dink it down the middle, cool as you like. It was a great penalty. It was, yeah. No, he's, he's, he's very good at that. Um, yeah, definite definite penalty. And um, I think he's only missed that one. This Was it at Knotts County, did yeah. you say? Yeah, just that one. He's got some really imp- important ones, early part of the season as well. Maybe not got as many in open play as he as he would have liked, but no, he's he's fantastic at that. And yeah, I mean, they're almost there, aren't they? I think if they'd have won last night, it was just four more victories they, they needed. So they can smell it. And it's the energy of the, the, the two wire players in particular, the pace they play with. And that's where the, the penalty kick came from, just a flick on from McKinney. Rowe helps it on and, and Anderson's so quick and so direct. He, he wins the penalty. Some good tackles in that game. By the way, blood and thunder. I can't remember the it was two. A game. Erdley yeah. in the second half and the wide player for Mansfield. I mean, the, the tackle was that. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And Erdley might. It was a bit similar to the Doncaster Barnsley one on Friday night, which is obviously left Dougal with a, a broken leg. And Erdley obviously got up and uh, walked off with his shoulders held high, but then he had to go down a few minutes later. So <laughs> hopefully it's nothing serious. Yeah, the tempo of a, of a top end League Two match 
and the quality is is such a contrast to to watching two struggling teams. Just the pace of the game, the, the way the ball is moved around. I thought in this game, um, even though it wasn't the prettiest, I thought the standard was pretty high. Lincoln unbeaten in 15 seems like a matter of when, not if, they confirm their promotion. MK Don's fourth, 1-1 with Stevenage. Chucks and EK levels late on, but this is two points dropped rather than, than one gain still, isn't it? Yeah, it probably is, but I think Stevenage is good value for the, the draw. I was there last Tuesday against Swindon, so I've seen Elias Chair up close and personal, and he's a bit of the Peter Beagrees about him. Played wide left, and he can deliver with his uh, his left foot, but he can come in field and, and hit shots as well. So as a striker, a little bit frustrating because you don't know when it's coming in. And I saw um, Alex uh, Ravel give him a little bit of stick. Uh, on a few occasions when he whistled a few shots into the car park last Tuesday. But he's got undoubted ability and obviously scored the opener against MK Dons. And I think Tisdale, again, having to change the system at half-time. Jordan Houghton's such a flexible player in midfield or defence. A couple of injuries derailed him. I think Simpson was the catalyst for MK's recovery, really, off the bench. And Anike getting that equaliser. But I think, I think a point was probably the fair result. And Stephen is not a bad side. I don't think they're they're not very easy on the eye, shall we say. But with Chair, he's a nice little player. And the two strikers, Guthrie's a really nice foil for Ravel. He's very mobile. He can travel with the ball. So I was impressed with some individuals within their team. But as a unit, it's quite direct. The goal is good. Paul Farmer's good. Yeah, that's uh, they a good got, save. They got him from Lincoln, didn't they? Um, he's played in a winning team for 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 a while under Cowley. And uh, yeah, I think that was a really good signing for Stevenage. A plea to Stevenage supporters. Elias Chair, he's got to have a chant to the tune of Sit Down by James, yeah. hasn't he? That's, that, that's nailed on. Forest Green Rovers won, Carlisle United won. The award for the worst kits in the EFL goes to these two, Illuminous Yellow versus Deep Purple. Not for me, Clive. Forest Green Rovers still in the playoffs. Carlisle a point outside. Adrian, they've actually done well to stay in touch considering how much they've struggled since John Sheridan left and yeah. Presley came in. He did He did say that uh, Stephen Presley, that this was the best performance since he took over. So that so that was interesting. I think Carlisle were quite unlucky uh, not, to, not to win it. And Mark Cooper did a Matt Davis Adams. He was absolutely brutal um, <laughs> to his left back. Did you see the quote here? Yeah, he was he was just about as unforgiving as you. He labelled uh, Nathan McGinley's hesitation as horrendous, which is a very strong word for for a manager to say immediately after after a mistake that's cost such an important goal. So yeah, no 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 real sympathy there for Nathan McGinley. But yeah, look. Yeah, Carlisle, they're in the in the shake-up, aren't they? But so are a lot of teams. Got to give a quick mention to Crew 6, Crawley 1. Crew were 1-0 down, then 4-1 up at half-time. Dave Artell, if we were a recipe, we'd be preheating the oven for the first 25 minutes. Uh, Yeovil 0, <laughs> Macclesfield 2. Did we write off trademark Sol Campbell's Macclesfield a bit too soon, Sam? Uh, Yeovil making sure that it's a, at least a three-way fight by the looks of things? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Now, um, that was massive, wasn't it? To, to peg them right back into into trouble and another five changes from Sol Campbell and uh, a different system uh, to last week. So, uh, again, I think it's just like, <laughs> what do we used to say when you were going in for the team meeting, the, the lottery numbers? Who's yeah, he going to yeah, pick this week? Chuck the balls in the chuck air. The balls yeah, in the air. Yeah. A little bit of that going on, but I'll tell you what, what two beautiful, mm, beautifully crafted goals, um, especially the sef- second for um, Harry Smith, who... 
obviously I highlighted last week at my surprise at him not being in the eleven. So yeah, a couple of lovely goals and um, giving themselves a chance. And it's Yoga not it's not good at it's Yoga not good there, is it? Well, well, what's yeah. gone wrong there, Clarky? Five years ago, they were a championship team. They might well be a national league team next yeah. season. Yeah, well, money I think is a big thing, isn't it? And he, he doesn't have a lot to play with. Obviously, got the talk of the buyout. I mean, what's the the greatest experience? Going to be the greatest fan experience in the history of world football, isn't it? When when the the new guys take over, wonder whether that'll be in the EFL or the National League. So yeah, I think they're in they're in bother. The, the fans are not happy with Darren Way, and and Way himself said that the players were hiding. They didn't didn't want the ball, and having played in a in a relegation side once before, that happens. It's it's the tell, and uh, if you've got players that that. They're not calling for the ball, not moving, not wanting it. That's that's a big problem. Abby, what's the weekend's results done to the relegation odds in League Two? Well, we now have three teams that are odds on to go down. Uh, so that maths doesn't quite work, but it's not County her favourites four to eleven, then Macclesfield two to five, and Yeovil who are eight to eleven. We have been concerned about Port Vale in the past. They're twenty to one, so it seems to be all right for them now. In terms of the games coming up this weekend, League One and League Two, the focus with the Championship on international break. couple of games that catch the eye, Adrian. AFC Wimbledon versus Gillingham. Can Wimbledon maintain the momentum? Wow, yeah, that is huge, actually. Eves is back in form, isn't he, for Gillingham? Another trademark header for him at Kenilworth Road at the weekend. So, no, that's that's going to be a, a full-blooded affair. Definitely not 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 one for the purists. Uh, it's not going to be pretty, but, but huge for both clubs. Uh, in League Two, Sam... Notts County versus one of your old clubs, Exeter City. We haven't spoken about Exeter much in recent weeks. Obviously, every game from this point in is is must win or maybe must not lose for Notts, but it's not going to be easy for them against Exeter. No, they're very up and down, though. There's no consistency with Exeter. I did notice that Matt Jay got a, a wonderful goal at the weekend and I've been wanting to talk about him all season because he made his debut in a front two alongside me and I had the worst game in the history of professional football. It, I mean, Paul Tisdale spoke to me on the Monday and he said that I was getting such pelters from the Exeter supporters in the first half that he actually made a point of keeping me on <laughs> and just like thought this could, it could ruin me psychologically, but also just to maybe it's get one. The risk he was willing to take. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was, I was, uh, I was retired in two weeks time anyway, but Matt, bless him, like 17 years old playing alongside this bloke who just, couldn't keep the ball I couldn't win anything and he ran around and he scurried around alongside me but um, I'm really pleased that he's gone on and uh, making a career for himself did he chin up sorry did he put his arm around you no he didn't but I just I felt a little bit like I'd let him down obviously because it's such a big occasion for him and if I'd have been a good target man for him on that day he would have had a better game naturally so I'm really pleased that he's um, he's another one like Liam Serkham Tom Nichols before Matt Grimes just an another really good young talented player out of um, Exeter's academy so yeah they need to have a little bit of consistency if they're going to get that last position starting the Notts County the weekend Did you appreciate being kept on or would you rather have come off? No I did yeah I did I remember I was in the kit room on the Monday morning getting my kit and I think Steve Perryman spoke to me first and not your not your day Saturday big man was it or whatever and then I spoke to Tisdale shortly after that and he, he said it. I think Steve actually said Paul did well for you on Saturday by the way you know, just because I was a little bit, I think I was a little bit better in the second half. And um, yeah, it, it probably would have ruined me mentally if I would have withdrawn after 25 minutes like Basham at the weekend. It was nearly <laughs> done. Oh, that's made me a bit sad. 
So another Totally Football League show has come to its natural conclusion. Fear not, they will be back at the same time next week looking back on the latest drama from Leagues 1 and 2 and ahead to another big weekend in the Championship. Thanks as ever for the metaphorical hand-holding chaps. Until next time. You've been listening to the Totally Football League show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts, and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.